This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, welcome back from Tallahassee. How was your trip? Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. And then the game happened. Um, (laughs) Pretty good. I need to apologize in advance. I, you know, I sound okay at the moment, but if I go up or down an octave, I'm completely and totally screwed. So excuse my voice or lack thereof, I guess. Well, it's been a whirlwind, uh, to say the very least. Uh, you had a long drive ahead of you today and just recently got in. It's it's Tuesday night here. Um, for what it's worth, for those new to the program, typically we will record these recaps probably on the Sunday night time frame unless there's a major conflict. But you can expect these episodes up on Mondays. But with the way the schedule works out, here we are Tuesday evening recording a recap of the week. Um, and so, Mike, let's start with your Hokies. Number 20, Virginia Tech 24, number 19, Florida State three measly little points and Mike this game did not go the way that we kind of expected it would to say the very least uh you are correct before I dive into this real quick shout out to our boy James Coleman um Florida State contributor to this podcast writes for gridiron now he's done a great job for us invited me and my buddies to his tailgate he was awesome as we knew he would be tailgate was awesome it was a great time met a lot of really good people so shout out to james real quick um the game itself i couldn't believe what was happening that's kind of my takeaway um the virginia tech defense had nine new starters on that side of the football and their team speed on defense was nothing short of unbelievable Um, and and it's beyond the athletes going out and making plays and just being fast and being athletes. It was the sophomores and juniors, you know, new juniors like Reggie Floyd, like freshmen, sophomores knew what they were doing. And like the team speed on defense was unbelievable. So that was my first takeaway right off the jump. Um, and, and it was very clear on the first drive, um, on defense. So Virginia tech goes down scores, very impressive first drive for Josh Jackson, that offense. That that was his biggest drive as a Hokie. Not even, it's not even close. Um, You know, he was excellent on that opening drive. And then defensively for them to come out and snuff out two quick swing passes that got Florida state's athletes in space, Khalil Adler, excellent game. Uh, Divine Diablo, you know, the secondary was great. Caleb Farley, of course, had a sack, two interceptions, was named ACC Player of the Week. Rayshard Ashby, nine tackles, two for loss, um, and a forced fumble in his new spot, taking Andrew Batuapalaka's spot at backer. The Virginia Tech defense is a big takeaway for me. Now, I, you know, Florida State's play calling, we'll get into that. That's a whole nother level of weird at times, but 
Virginia Tech was more physical at the point of attack, and their team speed on defense completely overwhelmed Florida State, which had a ton of athletes on the field at all times. So that was my initial takeaway. Offensively, on the other side, Joey, I thought the offense overall, while it was very frustrating that, you know, the Hokies kept getting good field position the entire game and just couldn't punch it in the end zone. There were a lot of good things happening on those drives that gives me hope for the rest of the season that they'll figure things out. Um, they would move the ball, then bad penalty backs them up. They would move the ball, you snap it over Jackson's head, then take a bad sack. Things like that were happening pretty frequently in this football game. Number one, give Florida State's defense a lot of credit. They were on the field a ton in this football game, and for the most part, they hung tough. Um, because their offense wasn't giving them a ton of support. So it was a very good defensive effort, I thought, overall for Florida State. Um, but the Virginia Tech offense, I know the takeaway is, oh, they could have scored more points. This could have been a lot uglier than it was. But give Florida State's defense a little bit of credit. And for Virginia Tech, be more consistent in running the football because it was working early. They kind of went away from it. And I think that's where they started to kind of hit a snag later in the game. They ended up going back to it eventually, and that's when Jackson got back into a rhythm. He finally hits Eric Kuma on that final drive. He slips a tackle, and he's gone. So that's the story of the game. Um, just Florida State's inability to consistently win at the point of attack, both offensively and defensively. And really, the Hokies just grinded this out. And I was very surprised. I guess I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised that Bud Foster had these kids ready this quickly. Um, I knew it would be a work in progress. He's an excellent defensive coordinator, best in the country, in my opinion, after last night's performance, if there was any question. Um, and I'm just surprised he had them ready to go defensively that quick. And it was a hell of a coaching job. Fuente coached circles around Willie Taggart. The offense for Florida state at best was gimmicky. Um, and that they need to clean that up there. They got too many athletes to, to play with a gimmicky offense where cam Akers is taking direct snaps. Um, they're, they're better than that. And they have athletes already on the roster, uh, that can contribute in a normal offensive scheme. So they just need to clean some things up. I think Florida state will be fine, but big time statement win for the Hokies here on national TV in the opener. I, I, I would agree with that to say the very least, Mike, you and I had different experiences watching this game. You were obviously there in the stadium in person watching it. And I was sitting on my, uh, my couch watching it on TV and the whole time I'm with you. I, I was kind of shocked by what I was seeing. This is not what I expected from Florida state, knowing how much talent they have and all this, um, it, I, in the, the whole time, really, I sat here just trying to figure out, I, I felt like I needed to reevaluate one team or the other, uh, maybe a little bit of both, but I, I'll be honest. It, it's not really a, 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 a meaning, you know, I, I don't mean disrespect towards Virginia tech in saying that I, I feel like this tells us a little more about Florida state than it does about the Hokies. Um, I, I think the Hokies were sound. I was really impressed with them on offense compared to what we saw towards the end of last year. And, uh, generally during the Justin Fuente area so far. But, man, Florida State, especially on offense, looked bad. They looked bad. They looked out of sorts. Um, there was a lot of weird play calling. They kept trying to go, you know, east-west rather than north-south, and that was not going well. Their offensive line could not block Virginia Tech. And, and I, I question if that's because Virginia Tech is just so otherworldly good up front or if it's just that Florida State's offensive line, they looked soft. They looked like they didn't, you know, really understand their assignments or something. Florida State got nothing going in the run game the whole night. Uh, if you look at it, they had uh, they had 94 yards on 28 carries, but that's deceptive because Cam Akers had an 85 yard carry in there. 
And other than that, on his 13 carries, he had minus three yards, right? You figure the whole team had 27 carries that went for nine yards and they had one that went for 85, right? Like that, that's not consistent production. They were, they were way more productive in the passing game. I thought DeAndre Francois looked pretty good for the, for the Seminoles. Um, I, I don't know why they were going away from him as much as they were. It felt like that was the only way that they had to move the ball all night. Um, so, so I, I just thought there was a lot of disappointment and, and strangeness about the, the Seminoles offense Maybe it's just kind of an early cobwebs, not not cobwebs as much as like growing pains, trying to figure out a new scheme or or something. But um, this was just a very odd game, not what I was expecting at all. The final score, twenty four to three, is I feel like it's indicative, but also not indicative of how the game went. Um, Virginia Tech was pretty dominant throughout, but benefited from a, a blocked punt that turned into a touchdown. Um, they were plus five in turnovers. Plus you know, they were, five. Like, they were covered. Five. Yeah, they recovered all three fumbles, I think, in the game. And, you know, there was some luck in there, too. So I where I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not really ready to say that Virginia Tech is all of a sudden a national title contender or really going to push Clemson to maybe win the ACC. I'm not God, there God, yet. God damn it. Why not? I Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm sorry to try to bring you down off this cloud. I, I probably shouldn't at this point, but. I, to me, this is, you know, Virginia Tech is good. They're well coached. I think, you know, I, I I think they were probably better than I expected them to be. Josh Jackson, I thought, looked really good. I texted you as much last night. You know, I I think the offense looked better than I was expecting. The defense performed really well, given all the new guys. Um, and so I think they, they outperformed my expectations, but not nearly on the level that Florida State underperformed my expectations. We'll say that. So, if I'm really recalibrating off this game, it's probably more recalibration on what Florida State is or isn't rather than Virginia Tech. And maybe that's maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's, you know, maybe I'm a little bit of a hater. I don't really know. But uh, that, that's kind of my my feeling I got off this game. It's week one, Joey. So I don't think anything you said one way or another can be taken. You know, I people will be angry, but who cares? <laughs> it's week one. It's week one. Also, like, Virginia Tech's got this track record too of like winning a big game and then laying an egg. So let's, I mean, not to throw water on the whole thing, but <laughs> it was a really, I mean, obviously a really good win to, to go into that environment and win in week one. I mean, that's, that's gigantic, but um, I'd agree with you. I mean, I'm surprised that Florida state was not more ready to play. I just think they got completely overwhelmed. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, you know, Bill Connolly from SB Nation said it was one of the most unlucky games in as far as turnovers um, for for any team in college football in like the last ten years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, turnovers are luck. Who thought? Who would have thought? Um, yeah. Speaking of which, and by the way, before we move on to that, real quick, one of the things I was going to bring up is you talk about um, you know Virginia Tech laying an egg. I mean, they could, but look at this schedule coming up: FCS William and Mary. Eastern Carolina, who just got beat by an FCS team. North Carolina A&T, for those keeping score. North Carolina A&T, that's right. Uh, and then a road trip to Old Dominion, who just got the crap kicked out of them by Liberty. So if Virginia Tech loses one of those games, I mean, goodness, um, don't do that. Um, the next you know, formidable opponent they should have is the very end of September at Duke. Um, and until then, I think they got a little bit of time to – to get their bearings and make sure that none of that was a, a, a fluke last night. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, Joey, um, wasn't initially going to do this, but that at Duke game, uh, after last night, props going, 
you're going. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, I remember the last time you went to Duke, you had a big old time down there. So why not make a, a return voyage? I, yeah, make a return voyage, piss off a bunch of frat boys, and uh, let's do this thing. A tradition unlike any other. Mike, you mentioned that turnovers have something to do with luck. Nobody learned that lesson more than our friends at Miami this weekend. Ooh. Transition right there. LSU 33, Miami 17. And that's probably closer than this game actually was in a lot of respects, Mike. Um, I mean, it was 30 to 3 at one point. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, shoe buddy, Miami. This, this did not go well. Um, this did not go well at all. LSU got out. They were up 27 to 3 at halftime. Um, you know, this was a this was a bit of a beatdown. A lot of it thanks to LSU's defense. I think that their defense was a little more physical, maybe, than Miami's was. Um, LSU by just by its nature is a very physical team, very physical program. And so if if you're a team that's going to rely more on speed than on power to get things done, um, it's that's gonna happen sometimes, you know, but I didn't feel like LSU maybe looked great at all times on offense, especially. Um, and Miami certainly didn't look great on offense in a lot of cases, but LSU made a lot more plays and and really got this game out of out of hand and out of reach for Miami um, probably by the end of the third quarter. This is a, a pretty disappointing showing for Miami, and I think especially from Malik Rozier. Uh, Rozier sucks, dude. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, let's let's call let's call it what it is at this point. You know, I've been saying this for about a year. Uh, you've been saying it for about a year. Cam Underwood, our buddy from State of the U, God bless him, has been saying it for about a year. Um, Rozier is bad. I you know there are a lot of there are a lot of really good players on Miami's team. There are, um, and they just couldn't really do anything because Rozier couldn't deliver them the football. One of my favorite moments for this entire telecast was when um, they were discussing the fact that, oh, Rozier, that was unlucky on that interception. It was a tip pass. I mean, he threw it into four defenders and he got run back for a touchdown on that pick six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was only, you know, the start of his issues. Um, Really, really rough game. Uh, LSU's defense looked dominant. 33-17, nowhere near indicative of the final score. I had a hell of a time with the Florida State fans uh, watching it at one of the bars down there. That was great. <laughs> imagine uh, that. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, and I say one of the bars, I mean multiple bars. Um, but yeah, imagine that. Uh, we had a great time bonding over Miami losing. Uh, and then we beat that ass the next day. So it was cool. Uh, <laughs> overall successful weekend for you, Mike. Overall, overall really successful weekend. Big winner, the Florida Gators. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, no, Miami looked rough. Um, defensively, it was okay, but uh, it wasn't like Joe Burrow was like this, you know, rock star quarterback for them. He was fine. Uh, I think LSU will be fine if Burrow can develop. That's something you and I discussed, Joey, um, over text while watching this game. It was like, hey, man, if like Burrow develops here, LSU could be relatively competent in a really tough division in the SEC. So, yeah, really good win for LSU. Uh, Miami, like they can shake this off and still play, you know, a pretty good schedule here in, in the coastal and be all right. I mean, I think they'll they'll be fine. They'll be right in this thing um, as far as the ACC is concerned. This is a really ugly loss, and I think it's fair to temper expectations on Miami as long as Malik Rozier is the guy. Mike, can I uh, can I review review the Miami drive chart in this game? Uh, is this going to be dramatic, like solid verbal? Let's do it. 
Uh, I can't do it dramatic, but I will tell if any parents are listening to this with kids in the car, this drive chart is borderline not safe for work. Probably not safe for your, you know, you want to want to cover your kids ears for this one. Uh, here we go. Miami punt field goal, missed field goal, punt, punt, interception, return for a touchdown, punt, punt, interception, touchdown, touchdown, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. It sounded uh, like the, it sounded like the Florida state drive chart, except you had two touchdowns in there. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Um, one of the things we alluded to, 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 uh, transition into this as well is that, uh, there were multiple turnovers in this game and none of them were, were received by Miami's defense. Um, the, uh, the damn turnover chain, as I refer to it a lot of times at home, the turnover chain did not make a, uh, an appearance in this game. Uh, Miami was minus two in turnovers, uh, a couple of picks thrown by Malik Rozier, or excuse me, Rozier, as we've learned in the broadcast. Um, and it's one of those things, Mike, that you can see when Miami doesn't get short fields and, and even turns it over a couple times themselves, you know, it puts their team in a big hole, uh, and, and it's hard to dig out of that. The biggest takeaway to me, I think is kind of a confirmation of, of what we've talked about and what Cam talked about in the preview and all this is. Honestly, Miami's season is going to come down to its quarterback situation. And that for a lot of teams, you could say that, right? Most any team, it's their quarterback situation. And that sounds like an oversimplification. But it's to me, it's more an issue of, of how Mark Richt handles Miami, Miami's quarterback situation because there's there's kind of two things involved here. Is A, we know what Malik Rozier, Rozier – this is going to take some getting used to – what Malik Rozier is at this point, um, it, it's not a particularly effective passer. He's going to hit some big plays here and there. He's going to support in the run game. But if you want a guy who's going to sit there and carve up a defense and complete 65 to 70 percent of his passes and take care of the ball, he's not that. Um, so the question becomes, A, does Mark Rick stick with him? And B, if if he chooses not to, and we, we've talked about there's there's some chance that he won't you know make that decision to to go away from him but if he does what is they're backing up Malik Rozier um we we think we've got some good ideas you know Nikosi Perry's a name that's been tossed around there's some talent there theoretically but the fact that we were two weeks before the season and he was already committing to Rozier it's like I don't know if that's because he's you know just the guy the returning starter or if they don't really have great talent behind him. And if that becomes necessary, I don't, I don't know what Miami is going to become this season. It's going to be another season relying on turnovers in the defense. And I, I just don't know how sustainable that is. So it's, it's kind of a further confirmation to me, Mike, that this season is going to entirely come down to the quarterback situation, how Mark Rick choose to ha- chooses to handle it and what options he really even has. Yeah. And I think the talent is there from a recruiting standpoint, a quarterback, but you know, if, Mark Rick is seeing something different in practice than than we're seeing. Then Rozier's his guy. Unfortunately, I gotta also get used to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I named him. At, you know, I, I wrote a huge preview for Inside the ACC. I named Malik Rozier the most important player in the entire conference because I think his play really dictates what Miami is both on a conference level and on a national level. Um, is this a team that can compete with Clemson with him at quarterback? No. <laughs> but if he plays, if he were to play well the rest of the year and get some confidence, which no reason for me to believe that's going to change, but say he did, can Miami push Clemson if they made it to the ACC championship game? Sure. They, they could, they could hang with him a little bit. Um, it, it wouldn't be 35 to three or whatever the hell it was last year. I could tell you that. So he's the most important player um, in the entire division. 
um, in, in the coastal and really in the conference because he completely dictates what's going to happen on that entire side of the conference. Um, he's just, he's a huge variable, a quarterback for a team that's overall pretty good. So they need to figure things out one way or another. And if Rick is too stubborn or just can't go away from him, there's going to be huge variability week to week with this Miami team. That's There's just no way of getting around it. Mike, let's move on. Alabama 51, my Louisville Cardinals 14. You talk about important players in the conference. Uh, Louisville replacing arguably the most important player in the conference, Lamar Jackson, and it didn't go great. Um, honestly, I mean, this is, again, kind of what we said was going to happen. Alabama, really, really good. Louisville, not quite as good, for better or worse. Um Overall, first of all, my story of this game is I, I play softball with a bunch of buddies who all went to Alabama, and so I made the choice to go to the Alabama Alumni Bar here in Houston to watch this game, wearing a Louisville shirt, naturally. And uh, I made a lot of friends, and nobody gave me any weird looks, and it was all just a very comfortable environment. Let's just say that, right? Yes. Sure, why not? Um, yeah, this game was uh, just pretty much a beatdown from the beginning. Louisville was down 28 nothing at halftime, and it just never really looked like they had any semblance of a chance. Um, the defense, I mean, pretty much what we expected. Alabama, it's, it's one of these things where it's hard to evaluate Louisville against Alabama because, yes, Alabama made Louisville look bad, but this is not the first or the last team that Alabama is going to make look bad. Um, it's just the first one this season. So what, what can you take away from it? You know, maybe a little bit limited, but Louisville's defense really struggled to stop the run in a lot of cases. Um, they, they struggled to stop the pass to a tag of Iloa, 12 of 16 for 227 and two touchdowns. I mean, it was, this was a, uh, this was a tune-up game for Alabama. Um, it, it wasn't all that close. Um, Louisville looked, you know, there was a little bit of something on offense. You know, Juwan Pass had some good throws. It looks like they've got some talent in the receiving core that can maybe uh, be the base of a uh, of a functional, you know, somewhat talented offense even, you know, for a lot of this year. But I, I just really – I wasn't super encouraged by what I saw. But then again, I don't know that I really could have expected to be encouraged by anything in this game really from the start. Uh, yeah, um, I agree with you. I think my one takeaway from this game is I thought Juwan Pass looked okay because outside of that, like we knew Louisville was going to be overwhelmed. So I was trying to find like the silver lining for the Cardinals, right? Um, number one, like the score was 51 to 14, but I didn't come away from this game thinking that Louisville was going to be this trash team all year, right? Even though the score was pretty indicative of what we thought was going to happen. Um, I, I was pretty... I was pretty pleased, at least at the outset, that they weren't getting completely um, boat raced in in the opening like twelve to thirteen minutes of this game. Like Louisville hung relatively tough. It was clear they didn't have a chance, right? It was just Alabama was just overwhelming them um, on both sides of the football. But with that being said, like it just seemed like Jawan Pass has a future as the quarterback, and he's going to live up to the hype. And he made some plays in the passing game, and he. You know, it, it was clear they were overmatched, but you could see some things that they were doing that they can build on moving forward. And like you said, not the first time Alabama's going to boat race a team, certainly not the last. This is a tune-up game for them, no doubt. Um, and it probably wasn't supposed to be a tune-up game when it was scheduled. <laughs> but, um, you know, give credit to Louisville. I mean, they tried. It was just Alabama's on another level right now. This game really kind of was pretty much a boat race. Um, Louisville forced one three and out in this game, put it that way, and it was in the last five minutes of the game, right? Um, they never really put up that much of a fight. They got a couple of punts out of Alabama in the first half, but they were already down 21 to nothing, and 
this whole thing just snowballed really quickly. Um, I, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we expected. Alabama, really, really good. Louisville still, you know, in a bit of a rebuild, you know, replacing the defense, defensive coordinator, replacing Lamar Jackson, all this stuff. So, um, yeah, this is this is pretty much what I expected. Alabama covers 25, not to anybody's surprise. Uh, Mike, we got a backdoor cover in the ACC, and that was from uh, your North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, Cal 24, North Carolina 17. Um, North Carolina scores a touchdown uh, about midway through the fourth quarter to pull this. Uh, you know, they, it was 24 to three when they got the ball back uh, in the fourth quarter. They score a couple of touchdowns uh, late to get the uh, what I'll call a backdoor push, even which that sounds even worse. Um, 24-17 on a seven-point spread. Uh, Nathan Elliott, not great. 15 to 35, 137 yards, a touchdown, four interceptions. Um, North Carolina is missing a lot of guys for this game, and and just never. It, it, it took a while for them to look like they were going to give a, a decent threat here to Cal. So I mean, just. Overall, a pretty disappointing effort, I think, for the Tar Heels as you look at this. Even considering the guys that were uh, that were suspended for this game, I'm uh, fully confident in my North Carolina last place in the Coastal pick. After watching this, um, Cal's not that good, and North Carolina was completely overwhelmed for three and a half quarters. Uh, Nathan Elliott, man, I, I, good luck, man. I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he was their leading rusher. Okay. <laughs> good. Oh, good. Um, Christ. Put it this it way. The, the, best, the best thing I can say about your quarterback is he led the team with 58 rushing yards. Yeah, that's the best thing you could say really about the effort the entire game, honestly. Um, yeah, North Carolina stinks. I, I, there's just no two ways around it at this point. Um, I don't want to make – like I said, I try not to make too many overarching, crazy, off-the-wall reactions to week one because – we don't really have that much data yet, uh, but North Carolina just doesn't look well coached. And it's very weird. It's a complete 180 from like two years ago when Fedora was the toast of the town. And now look at where this program's at. It's, it's unbelievable how they've fallen. I, I was going to say that that was the one thing I kept thinking about in, in the aftermath of this game was how, how far and how quickly UNC has fallen off. Um, Man, I mean, it was what was it? Just two years ago that uh, they were playing in the ACC championship game and even put up a decent fight against Clemson, and then their quarterback became the number one draft pick in the NFL. And next thing you know, they've gone three and nine, and now they've lost again, and not in a particularly impressive fashion here. I think if you're a Tar Heel fan, you've got to hope that getting some players back from suspension will will boost the team and help things, but. Man, this is just – it is it is surprising to me how quickly and how violently North Carolina has fallen off of their pedestal in the Coastal Division. Um, it, I, I will be surprised if we're looking back on this here in, in a couple of months and saying, how on earth did North Carolina lose this game? I mean, it's it just – I'm getting that vibe that I think you are, Mike, of, of this program has fallen apart quickly. It's – yeah, and it's happening on on multiple levels. So, I don't yeah. know. And it's going to be a long season, I think, for the Heels. Yep. Move on. Uh, Mike, we told you this game was going to get a little weird. And sure enough, it did. Wake Forest 23, Tulane 17 in overtime. This was Thursday night. Hughes on the uh, cover, baby. On the cover. That's right. That's right. Go Green Wave. Um, so 
Wake Forest, first of all, start here. Sam Hartman, holy cow. Sam Hartman looked really good in this game for Wake Forest. Um, he was confident and commanding of this offense for probably about, you know, the, the go from like the start of the second quarter to like midway through the fourth quarter. Um, Sam Hartman looked great in this game for the most part. 31 of 51, 378, two touchdowns. He did have two picks, Mike, and it was about midway through the fourth quarter that he threw an interception that was just a peak freshman moment. Um, um, and that, that was where things started to fall apart for him a little bit. I could have thrown that pick. Um, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. That's definitely where things took a turn. Like, you could see Hartman, like, progressively getting more confident as the game went on, and then he started throwing picks. And it was like, oh, well, this this changed quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, the takeaway here for Wake Forest is, like, you got a guy in Sam Hartman that could be a four-year starter and Kendall Hinton. I'm sorry. Like you might not be getting your job back. Like I get it was a narrow win and, and Wake Forest escaped more or less in this football game, but good Lord, man, Sam Hartman's got some talent. Wake's going to be decent. Um, Dave Clawson has him well coached and give some credit to Tulane too. You know, um, we, we talked about Willie Frist and the job he's done there. I mean, Tulane was right in this game. Obviously the game went to overtime. Um, and, and they were right in it throughout, but Hey, credit to wake Forest, credit to Sam Hartman stepping in as a true freshman and playing as well as he did for the most part. There are a lot of things to build off of and he is a freshman. So there'll be some growing pains, but I mean, a heck of a first effort. Wake did okay with running the ball 170 yards on 43 carries. It started off a little bit slow. They got Cade Carney and Matt Colburn going, especially late in the game. I think the real story on that offense was Sage Sherratt and Greg Dorch combining for 23 receptions and, 299 yards through the air. Um, they were all over the place. Tulane had no answer for them. And, and that was really the thing I think that kept Wake in the game a lot of this and enabled them to win. Um, yeah, I, I was I was impressed with the way that Wake handled this. It was a uh, it was a tough game, hard fought. I mean, obviously it went to overtime, it went down to the very end. Um, and so the way that it all it all turned out, I mean, again, I, I'm impressed with the steam and deeks and think that with Sam Hartman, you've got a bright future and uh, things are looking up for Wake Forest this year, I think. Is that's fair to say? I think it's fair to say. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild, right? We acknowledge that in, in our season preview. It would be a little bit of a rebuild, and it would be completely contingent, really, on how well the quarterbacks played in the first four weeks uh, because we figured it was probably Sam Hartman, but we weren't entirely sure, uh, of course, with Kendall Hinton being suspended. So, hey, uh, Wake Forest, good opening win. You know, Keep trying to build on that. They've got a tougher schedule ahead as you like look at some of these teams, especially in the first half. You know, Boston College, Notre Dame, Clemson, all in the first six games of the year. But there are going to be wins there for Wake Forest to take. They just got to make sure that they convert on those opportunities and, and don't uh, don't fudge games that really are the opportunity to win. They can easily be back in bowl season. So, uh, go Deeks. Uh, moving on, Mike. Syracuse fifty-five, Western Michigan forty-two. Orange look real good. They real did. good. They did. This is uh, five minutes ago. I yelled out Cuse on the cover because I thought we were doing this game. Then I realized we were talking about Wake Forest. So uh, I'll try again. Cuse on the cover. Mm -hmm. um, Eric Dungy, like, what do you have? Like over 300 yards passing, over 200 yards rushing. Uh, uh, the, uh, kind of the other way around. He was 7 of 17 for 184 and two touchdowns passing, but 15 carries for 200 yards, including a 49-yard uh, run on his end. He was He was real good has not yet dialed back the running game like uh, we maybe thought he was going to this year. Yes, he is going to die by October. Um, 
So get your wins in now while you can, Syracuse, because I didn't see anything in that opener that would suggest that he's not going to get hurt again. Uh, he took some shots in this game, Joey. <laughs> I mean, he took mm-hmm. he took a couple of big time hits. I wasn't sure he was getting up from. So um, if you have oh, the over under at six and a half games for Dungey as far as health this year, take the under. Um, all jokes aside, hope he stays healthy because he is outstanding at quarterback. Um, he is a lot of fun. Doesn't get enough love because he keeps getting hurt. But I mean, he's a really good player when he's in, and Syracuse is a different team when he's when he's manning the controls. This was a shootout, Mike. Again, fifty-five, forty-two, a really high total. the The concerning thing to me for Syracuse is that they really let Western Michigan back in this game in the second half. Playing um, Babers. Yeah, they were up thirty-four to seven at halftime. Western Michigan scores touchdowns on four of their first five drives of the second half. And none of them were long. Like those four drives were a combined, I think, 10 plays. I mean, three plays, three plays, two plays, two plays. That's 10 plays for a combined four touchdowns. Um, 37 yard pass, 21 yard pass, uh, 84 yard pass, 64 yard run, uh, 59 yard pass. Like it was like, you know, Syracuse put it into a, you know, the uh what is it the super sim mode on uh on ncaa football like oh intervene okay gotta get back in yeah oh crap oh crap oh crap you know it's like nobody's at the wheel here um you know that that was where the game went from 34 to 7 all the way up to uh 41 35 you know this this went from a four score game to a a one score game and and that's that's concerning again syracuse and their defense has not been the uh the most sturdy unit over the last couple of years and so Really would have liked to see him get a team down and then hold them down, but uh, Western Michigan pulls off a bunch of big plays there in the second half, and uh, Syracuse thankfully able to to tighten it up through the rest of the game and uh, hold them hold them down from there. But um, man, it was uh, it got a little bit a little bit dicey there for a second. So Syracuse work on that. Yeah, Dino Babers, keep uh, keep Dungey in a little bit longer next time when your mm-hmm. defense. I mean, I mean, your defense is not good. Like he's going to have to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep an eye on that i mean the syracuse defense still isn't good so they're gonna have to put up 55 a game to to keep things interesting but they can't so to their benefit if the defense even makes a small stride forward uh heading into the coming weeks you know maybe we're talking about syracuse in the context of oh can they make a bowl game but that's contingent on a lot of different things including john g's health which is anything but a given yep uh, Mike, only game of the weekend that we were both wrong on on the spread. We both had Army plus 13 and a half against Duke. Duke 34, Army 14, Blue Devils cover. Um, Ruined my parlay on Friday night. <laughs> As only Duke can. Uh, Duke was, this was never really a, a game in question for Duke. Uh, they were up 17 nothing at halftime, got up 24 to 7 in the, you know, late in the second, second half. Uh, ultimately, they kind of cruise. Uh, Army had a couple of opportunities, but uh, Duke blocks a field goal in the fourth quarter to keep Army from being able to make this a two-score game. Um, ultimately, the Blue Devils roll. Um, Daniel Jones looked pretty freaking good, 13-17 for 197 and a touchdown. Uh, also had 43 yards on the ground uh, for a touchdown there as well. Britton Brown, 11 carries for 75 yards. Uh, Blue Devils did not really show a hitch in the step early in the year. They uh, They looked pretty good here right out the gate. Good start. Good start. Yep. I mean, Daniel Jones was good. Army couldn't stop him. 
keep an eye on that. Daniel Jones, the runner, is a real thing. So mm-hmm. also, I mean, if Britton Brown, I mean, Britton Brown was very good. Um, he hyperextended his knee, which looked really ugly. So hopefully he's okay moving forward. But um, he looked good when he was in, and Daniel Jones looked very good all night. So maybe we can move past the sophomore slump Daniel Jones and back towards, oh, Daniel Jones, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. And if that's the case, Duke's going to be a problem this year because they're going to be well coached. Mike, you know which quarterback weirdly might have the best stats in the conference right now? Who would that be, Joey? That's Anthony Brown for Boston College. Good transition. I like it. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, Boston College 55, UMass 21. Holy cow, Anthony Brown. Uh, I, Mike and I, we were texting a little bit last week. I texted him a, a screen grab of the his stats from last year. Looking at how he really struggled to complete a lot of passes, uh, his completion numbers were not good. Wait, uh, pause, and, pause if you've heard that one before. Boston well, College quarterback struggles to complete passes. Yeah, but the thing was, we talked about him like he had this breakout year, and I looked at back at the numbers. I'm like, I mean, did he? Like, he he completed like 54 percent of his passes or something like. I mean, I, I wasn't convinced. Uh, excuse me, it was 52 percent of his passes. Um, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like, excuse me if that's not a breakout season. Mike, in this game, 15 of 21 for 279 and four touchdowns. Anthony Brown was on fire in this game. He was, um, which is good because, you know, it was clear that UMass keyed on A.J. Dillon, which is, I mean, what you have to do, Mm -hmm. uh, key on the run. Um, There's, I mean, Boston College is a hard team to evaluate because, like you said, Anthony Brown looks really good against non-power opponents right and then he comes in and you know really wows you when you actually watch him play (laughs) throwing the ball and granted um once again you know it is just umass but um you have to be really happy with his development if you're a boston college fan because look the eagles problem over the years has been we don't have a quarterback we have everything else running game defense we got it Um, we even have some players on the outside who can make a few plays here and there we just don't have a quarterback Anthony Brown, really encouraging here because A.J. Dillon, 20 carries for 98 yards. Um, You know, it was clear they were trying to get him going, but UMass heat on it. So they said, hey, beat us with your arm. Anthony Brown said, no problem. (laughs) Um, Easy win for Boston College. Have to be really thrilled with the passing game. Um, If you're a BC fan, let's just see if Anthony Brown carries it forward. Because look, if he keeps this going against like, I don't know, conference opponents, BC is going to be a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we said, I mean, they're they're a credible passing threat away from being like maybe the second best team in the Atlantic this year, um, especially given what we just saw from Florida State, um, given what we saw from a couple teams this weekend. I don't see any reason that there's somebody in the Atlantic clearly better than Boston College with a functional passing offense outside of, you know, Clemson, who's better than pretty much everybody. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, really good showing from Boston College here. They, they really uh, – they made it a point too to put UMass down early in this game. It was tied at seven, and the next thing you know, it was forty-eight to seven at halftime. And Boston College pulls the starters, and UMass scores some garbage time points. But this game got done early, and, and uh, really, again, easy, good showing from Boston College to get it going for this year. Uh, Mike, that's all we got in the way of uh, FBS on FBS competition. We have a couple more games that happened. Um, One of the ones we need to talk about here, NC State 24, James Madison 13. This was one of the ones that we warned the people about, said that this one could get a little bit 
could get a little bit weird. You know, you could uh, look up and see, hey, it's a you know a three or four point game in the third quarter, and sure enough, it was. Um, at one point in the fourth quarter, uh, James Madison kicks a field goal with seven minutes to go to make it seventeen thirteen. This was an uncomfortably close game for NC State. Uh, yeah, we thought it might be. Um, a lot of questions on both sides of the ball for NC State entering the game. Ultimately, by the end, I mean, they looked like the better team, but hard to take away much of anything from this. Like, it was about what I expected. I thought JMU would play hard and play well, and they did. And I thought NC State would ultimately show that they were the better team, and they did. So there's not really a lot I can really glean from this game from a perspective of, like, projecting NC State moving forward. Like, I still think they're pretty good. I just think James Madison is a really credible FCS opponent that was able to hang tough in a game where NC State was, look, I mean, they replace a lot of starters on both sides of the football. So a good win for NC State. You avoid the blunder in the opener. Of course, you got West Virginia here in a couple weeks. Um, so keep an eye on that one. Ben DiNucci, 23-27 for 197 and a touchdown. Marcus Marshall, 12 uh, carries for 65 yards. You know, they look good in this. Oh, wait, that was for James Madison. Wait, these, are our, these are our old ACC friends now playing for James Madison. So if you're wondering, again, why the Dukes made this a game, recognize that they're not just any old FCS team. And in fact, they're they're probably, uh, you know, around the quality of like a middle to upper tier, like G5 level team. Like the ACC were, retirement home, as you refer mm-hmm. to it, you know? So. Yeah, they they w- would be and will be a problem for a lot of uh, a pretty decent power five teams. Um so this is not a game where you need to be uh, questioning NC State and how good they are. I mean, they they got it done when it counted. They they never really ran away with it, but uh, you know this was a, a an overall decent performance from them. If there's anything I'm concerned about, maybe it's that they struggled to run the ball in this game. 29 carries for 83 yards as a team. Um, Reggie Glaspie, 17 carries for 68 yards. That's not super encouraging, but Ryan Finley looked really good. 29 of 43 for 309 and two touchdowns, no picks. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things that uh, NC State, you know, I, I, maybe you were hoping for or expecting a little bit better, saying I'm going to go play an FCS team. But, again, this ain't, this ain't just any old FCS team. So you, you kind of got what you paid for there. And, uh, thankfully, you, you didn't get beat and came away with a win. Just survive in advance, even if it's week one. Just just get your win and get out of there, especially against a team that boasts, like you said, decent amount of FBS talent. So, I don't know, James Madison's been a player in the FCS for a while, so this isn't a huge surprise they were able to hang with a, a credible FBS team. Yep. Uh, Pittsburgh 33, Albany 7. Uh, all the scoring in this game happened in the first half, which is something noteworthy. Uh Pitt's offense was okay, not great. Um, you know, they ran the ball decently, but uh, and, and I guess overall were fairly efficient with their plays, but uh, weren't as good at maybe uh, establishing a passing threat and such against Albany as I would have hoped they would be. Uh, yeah, fair. I mean, good win for Pittsburgh. I don't know anything about them. It's Albany, yeah. right? I mean, where are we supposed to say it's Albany in the opener? So good win for Pitt. I don't know. We'll we will out. learn infinitely more about Pittsburgh next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will. And maybe we'll learn more about Penn State, too, because mm-hmm. side note for our Big Ten friends, um, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sure was. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Um, and they survived. Um, <laughs> for, yeah, for those unaware, uh, Appalachian State scored a touchdown with under two minutes to go in Happy Valley to take the lead over Penn State. Penn State comes back and scores a touchdown before, you know, to send the game to overtime. And then 
uh, ends up winning by seven in overtime. So, you know, not really how you draw it up when you're Penn State taking on App State in Happy Valley. But, hey, um, maybe it's just the first week jitters. Maybe it's a fluke. Maybe Pitt has a really good chance to knock off Penn State next week at home. But, hey, we'll come back and talk about that uh, in our uh, preview show. Mike, Virginia 42, Richmond 13, uh, Bryce Perkins. I like him. I like him, Joey. He's okay. Still not the the most accurate passer, 13 to 24 for 185, two touchdowns and a pick, uh, but added something in the run game, 13 carries for 108 yards and two touchdowns. Jordan Ellis, 20 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Virginia overall looked looked fine here. We'll say fine. Uh, I, I don't know how much. Anybody's going to look good beating a, a you know mediocre Richmond team, but um, let's say this: it, it was never really that much of a game after the uh, the first half or so. Uh, Richmond actually goes up 10-7 middle of the first quarter, and then uh, UVA kind of hit the Jets, and, and this thing was over pretty quickly. It went out to thirty-five to ten pretty quickly. I mean, in Virginia's defense, it's better than losing to a mediocre Richmond team like they did two years ago. So, yeah, um, progress. Yeah. Good win, Virginia. You didn't lose to an FCS team in the opener. Bryce Perkins yeah. is all right. He's all right. Yeah, you, you take an it. eye on him. You know, you take it. My Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets forty-one. Alcorn State nothing. Um, <laughs> offense, out. offense, rusty. Um, there were there was some good. There was probably more questionable to bad, and it's it feels decent to say that when they go for four hundred and thirty-nine yards and four touchdowns on the ground, but the biggest sticking point from last year being to Quan Marshall's passing, you didn't really feel a whole lot better about it in this game. Um, still some accuracy woes. You might be overthinking it. I don't really know. Um, a lot of, a lot of skill talent there again, so maybe some questions about how, how good the offensive line is going to be, but they were banged up. They were missing probably two of their three best offensive linemen and Cooper and Andrew Marshall. So um, a much bigger test coming up this week against USF. More, more importantly to me, first of all, the uniforms look great. Go, you know, go Adidas, go three stripe life. Um, but the I defense, miss, I miss that, Russell. I'm, I said, I miss Russell. You're the only one, Mike. The <laughs> only one. Uh, and other than that, the defense actually looks really good. Um, they, if nothing else, they were much more aggressive and much more active and, and you know, kind of harassing of the other team than I've ever seen a Georgia Tech defense in several years. Just a lot more plays being made in the backfield, a lot more just aggressive play that, if nothing else, makes it more interesting to watch on television. Um, you know, they were able to stifle a lot of Alcorn State drives just by putting pressure on them and, and getting them behind the sticks. And, and and that's good enough, honestly, in college. Like, you get a team behind the sticks, they're going to get pressure to try to get it all back. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks out there that can really drive a team to do that. So uh, I liked what I saw from the defense, looking for maybe some more against USF this coming week, but overall a good start for Georgia Tech. Good start. Uh, like you said, got to clean some things up, but I mean, it's 41 nothing, so it's great. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yep. Mike, last thing, I just want to toot my own horn. I was correct. Uh, Furman scored. Furman scored on Clemson. 48, mm-hmm. Tigers 48. Uh, Furman University Christian Knights, work that one out in your head, it's seven points. Uh, Furman did score in the fourth quarter. They got a touchdown in late in the game uh, with about a minute and 18 to go. Um, Clemson just kind of rolls here. This was easy. Uh, Kelly Bryant, 11 to 16, 127 and a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence, 9 to 15 and three touchdowns. Just, you know, take notes. 
Uh, keep an eye on other that. Other than that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, there was uh, there was some back and forth. Just you know, keep that in mind. Um, other than that, I mean, it was Clemson. It was what you expected. They uh, they, they got up and they just kind of cruised. I mean, what's what, what we expected here? They're pretty good. That's what I'm told. That's what I'm told. I, I I haven't I didn't watch that game myself, so I mean I, I haven't seen it with my eyes yet. But I'm told they're pretty good. I, I've heard good things. Moving That's all I got. On. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mike, um, for those new to the program, typically on these recap shows, we go with a, a couple of specific segments at the end. One being the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award, uh, and one being the Go ACC Moment of the Week. Uh, what, you know what, Joey? Joey, let's just do it. What the hell? All right, let's do it. Uh, let's do you, it. you got candidates here. We got we got some uh, things we can kind of look to and, and maybe uh, pull out of the old hat here. Uh, yeah, the uh, Brian Van Gorder You Tried Award goes to Malik Rozier. Oof. Um, Oof. <laughs> you you tried to look competent on national TV. Um, yeah. And you failed. Um, not tried, tried to convince us that you were the answer to Miami's offensive woes. You failed. Yeah, failed. Um, so that was easy. <laughs> um, yeah, not great. He needs and to be I- better. Yeah, he really does. Uh, so congratulations to Malik Rozier, uh, as, as our buddy Cam refers to him, 12. 12. Um, you win the uh, first uh, Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award of the season. And it's it's especially special now that the uh, notorious BVG himself is back in the league. Uh, he, he he could not stay away. We can't, we can't rename the award, though. It just becomes more special with him around. It does. Um, and I have a Go ACC moment that we can it for you. I actually have one as well, but I'm curious oh, to hear yours. Okay. Well, let me start. Shall I? Please go, please do. Cam Akers breaks an 85-yard run in the Virginia Tech game. He gets down to eh, around the one-yard line. Um, yeah, Florida State proceeds to back things up a couple yards, and then, oh, hey, you know what? We really need a score here. Hey, I have an idea. Let's run the Wild Seminole, which is what I'm calling it. It's basically their version of the Wildcat. And Cam Akers then proceeds to fumble for their fourth turnover of the night. And that really put things out of reach for Florida State. Virginia Tech goes down, scores, ball game. Um, yeah. Goodness, Mike. And, and if you go back and watch it, if I'm remembering correctly. So this is, by the way, this is my candidate as well as this um, super, super weird play call. It was like third and eight from the 12 yard line. I mean, they're in the red zone. They're about to score. Gimmicky gimmicky it was gimmicky but so not only was cam Akers lined up they didn't have a quarterback in the game i don't think um i think it was just a straight up you know it was a direct snap to him but they also were lined up in like the diamond like i think there there were people flanking him on either side and behind him which asked like how many running backs did you have on the field and what did anybody think you were going to do there um I, i don't really know what in the world that was that was the strangest play call I think another uh, another candidate here is earlier in the game, uh, I think in the first quarter, uh, Florida State, I think it was a third down play. Uh, they ran a, a pass, again, in the red zone. Um, player was tackled just short of the goal line. Um, if you go book at the review, it actually looks like he scored. But Florida State was so quick to get up to the line and try to run another play before anybody could review it, even though it would have benefited them. They false started. 
And then even though they could have still gone back and reviewed the play, you know, after the false start, they still hurried up to go run another play. And it was just, it was a massive missed opportunity for the Knolls. And I think they ended up going scoreless on that drive altogether. Missed a um, field goal. Yeah, they missed a field goal. So that's what it was. I mean, so they come away with no points when they should have had a touchdown, right? Yeah. It was a bit of a calamity of errors for, for Florida State in that game. But uh, another go ACC moment of the week candidate, I think, was, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where my dog is looking for the treat and it's right under her nose. And she's like, I don't know where to go, like what to do. It's like, you, you had it. You had it. Like, yeah. you just just take it. Like, yeah. Real quick, um, Florida State ran 10 plays in the red zone. And uh, Joey, those went for negative 11 yards. Ooh. Um, not good. Uh, clean that up. Yeah. yeah. Work yeah. on that. Uh, Joey, real quick, one other award that we're going to debut here. Oh, hell yeah. Bust it out. Let's go. It's our ACC dumpster fire of the week. Oh, dear. Nathan Elliott of North Carolina. Larry oh Fedora. Larry Fedora of North Carolina. Co-recipients, congratulations. Larry Fedora, job security. Not good. Not good. What in the hell is going on in Chapel Hill? Nathan Elliott, I have five fingers on my hand. Now I have four. That's how many interceptions you threw. Mm -hmm. um, Ouch. Yeah, bad. Really bad. (laughs) Very, Uh, very bad. Um, They're a dumpster fire on that backdoor cover, though. Uh, yay yeah at least you can give them that they uh they did they they did get the backdoor cover which is is good enough i guess you still lost yeah so we'll see if that turns around but who who's to say at this point mike anything else before we get out of here uh pretty good first recap huh i think so it was a good week um it, there was some interesting matchups and even a lot of the the FCS matchups, again, we kind of were able to learn a little bit of something about these teams for you know to some degree. And I don't know, I think it was solid. I'll, I'll take it. Um, it. Next week's slate looks a little less juicy or entertaining, you know. So a little bit of a letdown. But uh, there's also a couple of pretty interesting games at the top. I think um, probably four games in particular that I'm really interested to talk about. So. We will come back and talk about those soon. In the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, breaking news, I've actually put in to see if we can get on Spotify. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Breaking news to me as well. That is correct. Um, so not yet, but you know, at some point in the near future, you might be able to find the uh, the good old basketball conference podcast out there on uh, on Spotify. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Mike, tell us where else they can find us in the social medias. Uh, they can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. You can also find us on YouTube if you want to go search for us and our videos and our channel. You know what's uh, weird? We, we, Real quick. You know what's weird? Yes, sir. We have subscribers on YouTube. We have subscribers and maybe even weirders. We have commenters. Um, we've got a comment section. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> for, be- for better or worse. You don't feel good about it so far. I'll tell you that. Uh, Mike, I'm told that there was a game at some point this past week that we were wrong about. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. It's kind of... It's kind of messing with me here. I thought we had everything pretty much right, but um, somebody should have pointed out that we got one of them wrong. I don't know which one. 
So I'll have to keep uh, investigating. I'll let you know what I find out. Yeah, keep an eye on that. And hey, imagine that we're wrong about some of our opinions. I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. <laughs> Freaking experts. So come join the uh, come join the discussion on YouTube if you are so inclined. Uh, again, just search for Basketball Conference on YouTube. Our, our videos are all going to be up there of these discussions. Mike, let's come back and uh, preview week two. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, one week down, unfortunately. Get some rest. Rest your voice. You, you seem exhausted. I'm really, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. <laughs> Long weekend. A lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of liquid consumed and uh, catching up mm-hmm. with me a little bit. There you go. It sounds like a good weekend. It was a little bit of how mine went as well. But in any case, Mike, we'll come back soon in uh, preview week two. Sounds good, bye. Hell yeah. Well, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.